Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos, and in this podcast, we talk about all things, you guessed it, demand generation in a simplified way. We cover the basics of what demand generation is, all the way through to how to get started and how to be successful when launching your demand generation framework. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive in. So today we're going to be talking about email marketing and the beauty of how a lot of marketers um, are doing a really good job with it and how others probably need to take another inspection in terms of what they're doing. Um, Because as you guys know, I'm trying to lead the motion of modernizing both the marketing and sales and go-to-market initiative um, by slice and dicing some of these channels that are kind of stuck with like outdated best practices and providing opportunities for us to be able to modernize those to actually support this modern uh, buyer personas that we are being faced with in today's world. So for today's episode, I actually outlined five do's and don'ts for email marketing. And so the first thing that I have on my do list with email marketing is you have to have a plan. But what you don't want to do is overcomplicate that plan. So here's what I mean. People think that a well thought out complex email marketing plan is going to be what ultimately nurtures and converts your prospect within your database, you know. But you don't need a million different nurture tracks based on enrollment or unenrollment or lead scoring or interest, you know, whatever those enrollment criteria are. I would counter that you would just need one simple long term marketing nurture that has um, a few pre dripped emails. So, regarding whatever that enrollment was. So, for example, if you have an event, you want to do specific event follow ups, right? So, you would do maybe one to two, however you, you see fit. Um, with additional information for them to to consume or additional um, uh, event for them to visit, and then boom, you know, you enroll them into that master nurture, and then done. And I also want to caution that with it would be one master nurture depending on what's needed. So some companies have two or three different like actual personas to where you would need to have two different lines of segmentations. So I do want to say that segmentation is important, both from an audience perspective as well as a list perspective, but you don't need to slice and dice those specific audiences like to the nitty gritty and just overcomplicate that, right? So make sure you're segmenting for whatever you think is needed, however you think is needed, um, but you don't need like 5 million different tracks for like each specific audience. Keep it simple, keep it educational um, and just let email marketing do what email marketing is meant to do. The second thing that I think overcomplicates email marketing plans is personalization. It has been hammered as a best practice for marketers to use personalization in their nurture strategy and essentially like to the point where if they don't include it, the entire strategy is going to fail without it. So I hate to break it to you, but adding a hey first name dynamic token at the very beginning of your email, your subject line is not going to determine success of your email strategy. Whether or not your content is actually interesting and relevant to your audience is what's going to determine the success. 
timing is also one of those popular conversations too. So personalization, timing, segmentations, these are all great things that I welcome conversations for. And I hear it often when in regards to timing that we need to be sending emails on Tuesday mornings at like 9 a.m. Pacific because that's the best performing time. Let's unpack that for a minute. Sure, you know, we can do that open rate analysis and sure, you know, if that works for you specifically, like keep it up. There's no reason to not send an email at that time. But I would challenge that in my specific case, I have so many unopened emails in my inbox that I have flagged as read later. And I, and I'll caveat this with, I'm a zero inbox person. So anything that I have is like unread is marked as like a to-do list or something for me to consume later or do later. Um, and so for me, it doesn't really matter when that email gets sent. I'll open it when I have time and I'll consume it when I'm ready to consume it. So it doesn't matter to me specifically as a consumer, if it's sent at 9am, 11am, 4 p.m. or even 3 a.m. I actually get emails from midnight and 3 a.m. so that they're ready at the top of my inbox when I start my day, right? That's how marketers think about it. But as a consumer, I'll get to it when I get to it. And the reality is it's probably going to be a few hours later or even a few days later than when marketers send it to begin with. So the idea that sending emails at an optimal time was created because marketers are and were being forced to report on fluffy metrics like open and click rates. And so sending it at an optimal time for someone to open or click on it helped them prove their existence. And so as we're modernizing marketing, we need to be focusing on the audience and not necessarily focused on proving our own existence. Um, so the first thing that we need to do when it comes to those type of transitions and that modernization is to start with your content and just make sure that your content doesn't suck. Um, it, the audience will read it if it's something that they truly care about. And if it's not, it really doesn't matter what time you send it. So the second do and don't for email marketing is to not, this is a don't, don't base your nurture strategies off of lead scores. And I know I'm going to get a lot of comments on this one. So again, I welcome the conversations. But personally, in my true, honest opinion, I think lead scores are irrelevant. Truly. I think it's just another metric that marketing wants to use to justify their existence. For example, we moved this contact from a lead score of one all the way to 189 points. Woohoo! But there's still nothing tangible that drives business results based on how high or low or midway engaged a lead score is for a person. They, they still have not taken the action that we want them to take, which is to get a demo, to learn more, right? Assuming they're our ICP and that's the conversion we want for them. So increasing engagement scores doesn't drive revenue. Demo requests drive revenue. And so marketers think that lead scores represent whether prospects are in the funnel. Do you know how many other factors a person takes into consideration when they're making a purchasing decision? I guarantee you that your lead score is not all-encompassing of all of those considerations. So here's what I think you should do instead. 
marketers need to be setting up trigger-based emails. So a trigger-based email is essentially you you can set up in your automation platform. It's an if-then um, criteria to where if X action is taken, then send X email. Um, and so what a trigger-based strategy does is it tells you a lot more about where that person is in their buying journey as well as what they're interested in a lot better than what a lead scorer can do. Um, and marketers normally get caught up in like the sophisticationness of the workflows and the enrollments and the lead scores, but they forget that the they don't actually know where that prospect is within those workflows and the funnels and those journeys, right? Because it's so fluid. There's not like, now they're at this stage, now they're in this stage, now they're at that stage. But marketers try to play it out that way in terms of how they build their nurture strategies, the workflows, the criteria, the segmentations and all those things. And so they forget that you can actually let the prospect tell you where they are. And you do that by adding trigger-based emails based on what the prospect is telling that they're interested in or what they're consuming at that current moment. So this works really well with like intent data or intent keywords. Because if a person is specifically searching for, say, a sales commission software, it doesn't matter if they have a lead score of zero or of 100. Send them stuff about sales commission software. They're in market. So what trigger-based emails do is it capitalizes on in-market capabilities. So I'll, I'll leave that there. You need to be doing trigger-based. You don't need to be doing lead scoring segmentations. My third do and don't for email marketing is don't hide behind your CTA or your call to action to break down industry jargon. CTA is call to action. So what do I mean by that? By not hiding behind your CTA. I'm also probably going to get a lot of pushback on this one. So again, I welcome the comments. So marketers are, are loving these metrics of click to opens and CTRs and blah, blah, blah. But they're missing the one key point which is the whole point of email marketing, which is to actually nurture the prospect. So sure, you can have CTAs in your email. Don't get me wrong. Um, but don't just assume that people are going to read your two to three bullet promo copy and then immediately go, yay, click, like, let me learn more. Like, you need to tell them directly in that email everything that they need to know. So personally, I prefer to open an email and immediately get intrigued and get what I need right then and there instead of having to click to click a button, go to a landing page, submit a form or like even if the form, even if the content is ungated, right? Even if there's no form, I still have to click to gain access to that content. So what I recommend is to write the email and this will be a little lengthier than what your best practice guidelines will be telling you. But write a couple of sentences that are that immediately are that immediate eye-opening takeaway that your audience needs right then and there. If all they consumed was that one email with whatever you put into it, would that be enough to get them to continue wanting to get even more from you? That's the way I think about it. So we as marketers, we need to keep our audience engaged and excited to hear from us. And so hiding behind a CTA button is not the way to do that. It's just another point of friction, in my opinion. And so what we need to be doing is offering those key takeaways 
as if there was nothing else for them to consume. There was, you know, like we have to have the option for them to learn more. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Again, you can use CTAs. Just don't hide behind it and assume that you're going to get that click in order for the audience to get that value. They don't need to be going to a landing page. They don't need to be going to the entire piece of content. Sure, they can, they could, right? But we need to be telling them exactly what we want to be telling them directly native in that email. What's that, you know, maybe one to three key takeaways that they could have tangibly right there that's of value. And then sure, right? Send them to learn more. Absolutely. So that's what I recommend for do's and don'ts. Point number four on the do's and don'ts of email marketing. And again, another one of my uh, conversations that I I welcome to challenge. Um, I see a lot of emails that are written about just one piece of content. And again, has that CTA to go to that one piece of content only. So we just talked about expanding that email content to contain a little bit more value behind it, as well as send to that piece of content, right? But what I want to highlight here is an email doesn't have to just be about that one piece of content and literally contain nothing else but like that body and then like the unsubscribe at the bottom in the footer. So And I challenge this because what if that one piece of content that is the whole email doesn't resonate with them at that specific moment? You just lost the opportunity to engage with them. And so I always like to include two to three options within one email. Um, I actually got asked once, but won't that take the action away from getting the click to consume that content? Again, do we want the click or do we want the consumption? That's the way I counter that. And so secondly, what if we do get all two or three clicks? What if, not clicks, uh, consumption? What if we get everything that we're talking to them about to get consumed and now they're engaged? Like that's a bomb-ass performing email, right? So I like to offer an educational piece. Um, So, you know, whatever content that I'm offering or topic that I want to talk about and then provide a supporting resource to that content. So, for example, if we're talking about um, like this new guide that came out, Marketers Love Guides, that talks about five ways that you need to be doing X. And then you couple that with a calculator that measures the impact if you don't currently do that. And then my favorite, always just because I am a marketer, is to add that little like shameless plug at the bottom that says, you know, interested in learning more. Here's how we can help get a demo. I love putting those at the end of prospect emails because that's literally leaving the option to them to click to convert. Like if they have to figure out from an email to go to your website to then click that top CTA, get a demo button and then submit a form and then talk to sales like no. Again, we want to reduce the friction and alleviate all the barriers that somebody could have in order to talk to sales, which is what we want. Um, so I always throw that shameless plug in there, but I always do it while providing value in some way, shape, or form. So I like to couple some of the content that I'm putting together with them with that educational piece, of course, the messaging of what that immediate takeaway is, and then, of course, the option to learn more, but then immediately showing them the impact of if they don't understand this impact of what we just explained to them, like you can see for yourself, here's a calculator, right? So 
kind of guided them through that own their own journey in terms of learning more about that specific topic or content, right? Um, and so the biggest issue that I have when it comes to single content emails, so not taking into consideration kind of the the coupling of those content resources, is that they're subject to the relevance at that given moment of your audience. And the best way that I can explain this um, with a scenario would be like, even if you're scrolling on LinkedIn and the very first headers that you see in a post is like, have you ever, you know, done this or that? And it's a very much yes, no question. And you immediately read it and you're like, nope. And you just keep scrolling, right? Like the answer was so simple, like, nope, whatever. It only would have been valuable to you if your reaction to that question was yes. Then you would click see more and you would read the post, you would consume it, blah, 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 right? Same goes for your email. If you only offer one opportunity for them you know, to say yes or no, that limits your availability for engagement. And so I don't like to just throw all different kinds of offers within the email. Like you, They definitely need to be carefully crafted and intentional. But don't just assume that your audience is going to care about that one specific thing at that one specific time, because I guarantee you that's a great way to just have skippable content. So the final do do's and don'ts of email marketing, and this one is one of my favorites um, because it's actually an excuse that I get and I've experienced often is someone will say like, we can't do email nurturing because we don't have a graphic designer to help design a template for us. So send text emails. They're not pretty, but they get the job done. And you're going to tell me that you would rather lose out on the opportunity to engage with your audience because something isn't pretty? Well, guess what? You just gave a free pass to your competitors. Do you know how many all text emails I get, or I even subscribe to, to be honest, because I care about the content, not the, not the design. And you can get text emails started. Like again, as a startup, you need to have bias to action. Something in market is better than nothing. And you can revise the design as you go. And you don't always have to have an in-house graphic designer. You can find somebody, you know, as like a freelancer or a contractor to build something for you as a starting point. But you can definitely start with text emails and just build and improve as you go. Don't let design be the reason why you don't do something. So that one was short and sweet. So to recap, the five do's and don'ts of email marketing. Um, the first one is do have an email marketing strategy. Don't overcomplicate it, but you do need to segment accordingly and not spray and pray. Second one is do trigger-based emails. Don't start with lead scoring and base it entirely off of lead scoring and think that that one-to-one represents where your prospects are in the funnel. Number three is do send prospects educating content like you're probably already doing, but don't just hide behind that CTA button. Make sure you're giving that information up front. Number four is offer multiple engagement points with one emails. Don't just 
offer one CTA thinking it's the best way to get your audience engaged where it could actually end up hurting your engagement in the long run. Number five, do send something over nothing and revise as you go and don't wait for a pretty well-designed HTML email. Design doesn't drive engagement, content does. So that are that is all of my five do's and don'ts of email marketing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks and see you next time. Thank you.